Greetings, programs and users. It is time once again for another episode of Old Nerds Drinking. I am John Patrick, the Master Control Program. Here with me remotely is Rojan. Greetings, everybody. It's weird. I'm remote, but I'm only I'm like I'm like a city away from you. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's like you're you're 15 minutes away, but it's the being able to drink in your own house and then not have to worry about driving home that after is you a, record the I, podcast. I was just going to say, I'm not going to lie. This 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 setup really is a lot easier for me to do, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, because everything's here. My computer's here. The uh, the Castle Day Day Nerds drinking is um it's kind of cramped down there in, in the in the recording studio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the nerd um, the nerd cave is pretty full. Um, yeah, the nerd cave gets it gets a little cramped. So right. Unless it's just drive there and then drive back. And like you said, I really can't drink over there. I can drink a little bit, but I can't. Like here, if I happen to catch a buzz, I at the end of the show, we're done with the show. I'm fine. Right. So, so anyways. Um, what are you drinking today, sir? I am drinking a combination of Angry Orchard and Guinness Stout. Uh, they call these snake bites. That, to me, I've always thought of – I've always told them called candy apples. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've ever had one before. I'm not sure if you'll like it or not. I, I happen to love them, but it's cool because the Guinness stout goes to the top and the angry orchard goes to the bottom, yet the flavors still meld. See, I, I would think in that osmosis, it would be the other way around. The stout would stay at the bottom and the, uh, the orchard would float on the top. Have you ever had one before? I have not, but it just seems like, uh, Guinness is a denser, higher alcohol volume, well, maybe that's why it flows to the top. You know what? It's the higher alcohol. It may be content. that way, but the glass that I'm drinking it out of is non-transparent, so I can't. Um, I can't see. I know that they separate. So the, could be right. One so the mad. I was gonna say. So the magic is hidden. Yes. Um, my friend took me to Buffalo Wild Wings several years ago and got one for me, and I've been hooked on them ever since. And I don't drink them real often because, honestly, I, I, the only time I really drink anymore is with you. Right. Well, um, I was going to say, in point of order, you were. This is what you were drinking for the last episode. I think I was just drinking Angry Orchard last time, if I remember properly. I don't remember having Guinness because I had to go buy some Guinness. Mm. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I could be very well be wrong. It's been a little bit since we've recorded. I also would like to put this on the record that um, I did state in the last episode that I was going to be making moonshine and that me and you would be distilling it down. Right. I'm going to be making the um, the wart for it this week, and I'm going to be making – it's probably going to be more of a cherry brandy. I've got uh, I've got about a gallon of cherry juice, a lot of sugar, and I'm going to be adding some more to it. And I'm going to use that as the base for the moonshine. So I'm going to try to get it done here before November, and then that way I can fire the stills up outside while it's still relatively warm. So I'm still planning on us recording an episode as we distill something. Oh, nice. So. Well, as uh, sadly is becoming uh, a, a regular segment, uh, this week we're pouring something out for someone special. Um, this week marked the passing of Angela Lansbury, uh, legend of stage, screen, and cinema. Like, I grew up in the 80s. I was first exposed to Angela Lansbury on Murder, She Wrote. Every Sunday, that was it. My mom watched Murder, She Wrote. Like I was going to say, Murder, She Wrote was the show that the older people watched. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, up there with Matlock and, and mm-hmm. you know, all of those shows. Like like the cozy mystery shows. And, and yeah, that was exactly. it. It was that always was it. in the background at Grandma's house or something like that. You never really watched it, but you, plus you knew who the woman was and you respected her, but you never really sat down and watched it. Right. But then um, you, you have to remember that Angela Lansbury's career goes back to, like, the 50s. Oh, yeah. Um, 
And then, like, I remember when I was in high school theater and, of course, being exposed to uh, The Court Jester with Danny Kaye and, like, discovering hot Angela Lansbury from the 50s and being very, very confused. She was a looker. She absolutely oh, yeah. was. Betty White was, too, though. Oh, so yeah. Um, it's funny because we have this image of us growing as we're growing up of what these actors look like, never really thinking about the fact that at one time that these people were young and some of them were very attractive when they were young. Right. Um, and she was very cute. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then she also played Mrs. Potts and beauty and the beast. She so played that's Mrs. my recollection. Well, Mrs. Potts and beauty and the beast. Um, she was also the first or the original Broadway cast of Sweeney Todd. Uh, she played Mrs. Lovett. Really? Yeah. She was the original Mrs. Lovett, I believe. Uh, so, yeah. Both ends of the Broadway, or both ends of the uh, musical spectrum. We got the Happy Family uh, Beauty and the Beast, and then we got the uh, Cannibalistic Meat Pies. Uh, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, that was another important movie of my childhood. Uh, and as a meme I saw this week told me, it's like the, the important lesson that Angela Lan- that we should remember Angela Lansbury for is from Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Learn witchcraft, fight fascism. Fight Nazis, yes. Fight Nazis. <laughs> uh, so on that, we're going to drink for Angela Lansbury. Okay. Actually, I'm going to pour a special shot for that one. I've got some maple whiskey here, so I'm going to put it in a shot Ooh. glass. All right, we ready? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, um, I didn't even say what I was drinking. I'm drinking a... Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. I'm sorry. A Alaskan Amber... Uh, one of my favorite go-to beers, although I'm a little sad. It usually came in bottles, and now all I can find it in is cans. Ooh. Yeah. And Ooh. It makes me sad. And it's still the same price for a six-pack, which makes me sadder, but... Yeah, it's got to be glass. Yeah, it's got to be It's got to be a glass bottle, and it's got to be a brown glass bottle specifically, um, which is to prevent light from reaching the beer and causing it to skunk early. This is why Heineken tastes like ass. All right, I'm ready. I'm set to go, so. Yeah, yeah, okay. There we go. That was a good clink. Oh. It's good. Uh, It's it's like... It's like um, Killian's... uh, Killian's Irish Red... But a little smoother. Oh, I've had the Alaskan Ale before. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. I can't remember the name of the company that makes it right now. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, I thought it was. I always thought Alaskan was the company that made it. No, well, they've they've got that company yeah. has several different beers. I think Alaskan. Yeah, Alaskan Brewing Company, brewed by Alaskan Brewing Company in yeah. Juneau, Alaska. But they also have three other beers. They have an IPA and something else. I can't remember what it was right now. I think they have a porter. So, I, I want to say they have a porter, but I, the Amber is the one uh, that I I just fell in love with. My buddy Phil turned me on to it, and it's one of my go-to beers when I want something a little better than a Killian's. Every time I used to do homebrew beer, um, Amber was my go-to homebrew beer. Um, I wouldn't heavily hop it, though. Yeah. But we do have one more death that I want to cover, though, um, if you're okay with that. Okay. We've got Robbie Coltrane, who played Hagrid in the Harry Potter films. So He died at 72. Yeah, that was, my mom told me that the other day. She's like, Robbie, Robbie, whatever his name is, died. I'm like, mm-hmm. I have 
no idea who that even is. Yeah, I, honestly, I didn't know who he was either, to be perfectly l- legit here. I had no idea who he was until I saw Harry Potter. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, I never even knew the actor's name. I just always thought Hagrid, right. you know, and that's pretty much what it was. And then I'm like, Robbie Coltrane, they're like, Hagrid. I'm like, oh, Hagrid died. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I only know him from those movies. <laughs> so, right, and... But still, and... I mean, say what you will about the whole J.K. Rowling thing. You know, well, that, the Potter that's... movies were still cool the Potter community is divided because uh, while they do love the role of Hagrid and all that, he was a very, very outspoken defender of J.K. Rowling and her um, not popular viewpoints. I get it. I, I mean, I don't, plus I don't like any of the new stuff that she's written anyways. I didn't like the last, the last whatever Harry Potter movies they were. But I'm, I'm not going to hold that against the guy who played the character or the character itself. I mean, I get why everybody – I do. I totally understand why everybody's pissed at Rowling. And I do share that same sentiment. Um, but I've gotten to a point now where it's like I can still appreciate the the old art and not and not the artist. But likewise, I'm not going to buy any of her stuff that she releases now or whatever. You know, I don't pay attention to what she tweets. I, you know, I, I, I see the stuff that's out there. I understand it. But having said that, I'm still not going to be like, well, this guy died. And I like this character and I like the story, but I'm not going to I'm, I'm not going to mourn him be, or I'm not going to say anything about his death because of what J.K. Rowling did. So anyways, I don't know. That's the nerd in me. Hold it against me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's like we can love Tolkien, but we can also acknowledge that Tolkien was pretty glazed over racist um and there's there's a lot of problematic things in tolkien but we all can agree that there was still good in the art uh well lovecraft is is yeah lovecraft even more so um and i i'm a huge lovecraft fan but i understand completely that the guy was what he was and i'm not going to defend you know him in the things that he said and what he did right though later on in his life he did come around and come to resent the things that he had said and done but even still, you know, like the stories that I it's hard to read some of those stories and, and like them when you know what he's talking about, actually right. talking about underneath. Thankfully, so. Stephen King, still amazing human being like we can all agree that Stephen King has amazing work and still an amazing human being. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, which I'm listening to uh, his most recent book, Fairy Tale. Uh-huh. on uh audiobook and it is always oh, good i'm only about halfway through it there's a lot of beats in it that feel like it's like i'm just waiting for the point when this turns into a dark tower book i haven't read it yet and i don't know anything about it yet um i'm actually saving that one for this spring when i go on my trip down south oh yeah well <laughs> clear some time the audiobook is 24 hours in true Stephen King fashion. Well, that's fine. It's a 10-hour drive down, 10-hour drive back. I'll be okay. <laughs> See, I, Stephen King, I'm a, there's this weird thing where I love his short fiction. I love his short stories. Uh, I found, I started reading them, like, when I was reading The Dark Tower, because I wanted to read the short story collection that had The Dark Tower <laughs> short story. And then I read it, and Every short story in the collection was great, and I was hooked. I started reading all of his short story collections. I'm um, the same way with Clive Barker, and I do agree with you 100% that I, I feel that Stephen King's short story work a lot of times is superior to his long story work. Because 
there's there's stuff that Stephen King has written that I just can't read. You know, well, I, I, right. you know, it's kind of like the whole Marvel thing that I've said many times. But just because I don't like a certain story or I can't get into another story, there's so many things that he writes and so many things that he does differently. And when you when that, you realize that how many of like Stephen King's best movies are all based off of his short stories. But yeah, like some of his books that like tend to get hit that like over thousand page mark, they can be dense. I don't know if it's in my old age or not, but I really find that audio books help me appreciate some of those books a little better. I never could make it through Dune, like just reading the book. There was just too much made up space language in there. And it went to too many weird places, and there's so many characters. Um, I never was able to get through it when I was growing up, and everybody would tell me, oh, you got to read Dune, you got to read Dune. So then I finally sat down and listened to the audiobook, and it's like, okay, well, I didn't love it amazingly, but I enjoyed it, and I can say that I've heard, or I've read it now, because I at least made it through the audiobook. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that. And a lot of the Warhammer 40K books I've switched to reading or just going through with audiobooks because the same reason. It's so much easier to have somebody read these crazy made-up space words to me. And yeah, like having... This is the first time I've listened to a Stephen King audiobook. And I'm glad I did because I'd heard about this book and I wanted to read it. And then I was like, "Mm, I think this would be a better Audible title. It's a classic story of a boy and his dog and a trip to a magical fairy tale world. I would, I will probably, I, I, well, I shouldn't say probably, I know I will be getting it. It's just a matter of when I'll have the time to sit down and, and listen to it. Cause I recently just uh, downloaded this app called Hoopla and renewed my library card. Oh, and okay. with that, you can check out books through it. And I'm like, Hmm. So I've been, I've, I've been checking out a lot of books, um, through that a lot of them have been more esoteric in nature to be honest with you um but that'll pass <laughs> so i was going through one of my book stacks trying to clean up uh, in my bedroom so i found this book i had bought a couple of months back when i had started a fixation deep dive into tarot cards um i've always had the kind this kind of interest in tarot but from a strictly like just i love the artwork I love the, the, the illustrations in them, but I understand that for the most part, modern tarot is basically cold reading and fortune telling. So every, I went into a deep dive into the, the non-esoteric history of the tarot and like where it started and how it became this like huge occult phenomenon when it started out as basically just a card game. Let me, I, was, I was about to say, have you learned the rules to the card game yet? No, I have not. Um, just cause I haven't gone that deep into it, but I found a book and it was on, um, a cult in the Elizabethan era. And I had found it through, I think, uh, MIT press and was like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta get this. It's going to be an interesting read to read about when, what we think about is this hugely, very repressive Christian time. But at the same time was this, was like the golden, one of the golden ages of the occult. And mysticism. Yeah, because you had... Um, well, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to go into it. Because <laughs> this will turn into a very different show once I get started. And this isn't really the place for that kind of talk. My hey, show is a different story, but hey here, man. not so much. Hey, man. It, it's nerding. We're nerding on nerding. We can do it. It's my nah. podcast. I say what we can do. Nah. 
Well, go ahead and talk about what you discovered. Uh, so, uh, no, I just discovered that book, and I was like, shit, I remember buying this, but I forgot about it, and now i got to read it. So I think that might be one of my spooky season starts uh, reading But while we're in a spooky season. I may have more I can give you on that topic, actually. I should, you know what, I should just, once you start getting into this road, I should just let you, like, go and raid my bookshelf. <laughs> oh, I mean, I gladly will. It's just a question of, I already have more books than I can read in yeah. from now until the end of time. But mm -hmm. that doesn't stop me from reading books. Um, my poor impulse control uh, started in grade school at the Scholastic Book Fair. And it's just kind of devolved from there. And while we're on the subject of John's poor impulse control, um, do you want to hear about my, uh, my latest purchase? What'd you buy? Did you buy another 3D printer? Oh, no. No, 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 no. Not, not another... Pre I think I'm good on 3D printers. Um, there's some upgrades I want to do to my filament printer uh, that will let it use some like heavier-duty filament so I can get into like physically printing things that can withstand force for like tools and stuff but that's that's an eventual thing i want to get into no 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 so about two months ago um i've always had kind of a, a love of, of a fascination with watches it's something that's come up in this show before um and a couple of months ago i was reading an article about how uh the quartz watch which is essentially the first battery powered watches basically killed the mechanical watch industry and how that slow death happened um but it went deep into talking about the company swatch uh because switzerland and swiss watches were always known as basically being the best watches around and mm -hmm. what happens to swiss watches when anybody can go for pennies on the dollar buy a quartz watch that will keep time as good as a precision Swiss watch that somebody took decades of their life to perfect the craft to make. Um, and so Swatch kind of embraced quartz and embraced that, okay, you have your fancy watches, but quartz watches are watches for the everyman, watches for every day, for, and like, let's make the quartz watch a fashion thing. And so... As children of the 80s, we all remember the Swatch watches and all yep. the crazy colors. Um, so, I think it was, like, shortly after I was reading this article, uh, the prop store of London had a Swatch watch auction. Somebody had a, a historic collection of Swatch watches, brought it in, and they auctioned off parts of the collection. Now, prop store of London is known for having all the things that I would sell human organs to be able to afford. Most notably, the recent sale of the one surviving X-Wing model from Star Wars that went for, I think, $1.4 million. Yep, we talked about that here. We did talk about that here. Um, so I didn't... I, I knew there, there were, there were like a lot of cool watches in there. Um and I, I was like, oh, man, I don't, I don't need to bid on this stuff because it's just, just going to cost me too much money. Well, then I got an email from Pop Store a few weeks after the auction. Hey, here's the stuff that didn't sell. If you want to make an offer, you can. Oh, no. What'd you buy? So I'm the proud owner of two different Swatch watches. 
<laughs> because <laughs> I have no impulse control. How much? You know, it wasn't bad. Um, it was a little weird because the bids had to be in Great British Pounds. So I had to do... Oh, my God. Yeah. So I think I bid like 30 pounds for one and like 45 pounds for the other. So basically when you got two conversions, I was about 100 bucks in for the two watches. Um, okay, that's not real bad, but it's, yeah. It's not bad. I mean, and then no. there's more because the, you have to pay the auction fee and you have to pay shipping. So it was probably closer to 200 when all was said and done. Um, but I got nifty certificates of authenticity for them. Um, and one of them is actually a mechanical watch, um, or no, one of them was an automatic watch, which I thought was cool to be able to have, like, Swatch was known for their mechanical, or for their quartz watches, but they also made automatic watches, which are the kind I like, because those are the ones that wind as you wear them. And then I got the Irony Secret Agent in, uh with a blue leather strap, blue face, and white uh, white bezel, which is really kind of cool looking. It, it's a standard chronograph with, like, the three stopwatch function and the date. Um, the problem with all of this is what I didn't realize was that Swatch watches use a very unique Swatch watch band. And that Swatch Watch band is specifically sized for Europeans. And I do not have a rich, uh, I do not have a wrist circumference of a very slender European person. So I now have these really cool switch Swatch watches that I can't wear because they won't fit over my big fat wrist. Ooh. Yeah. Um... Cue the sad trombone. <laughs> yeah but they look really cool and 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 yeah this is another installment of john's poor impulse control adds another thing for his eventual cabinet of curiosities which i got <clears throat> i got thinking about that today like somebody mentioned something about that today in in something i was watching and it's like, man, I still need to do that. I still need to start making my gentlemanly cabinet of curiosities. Yeah, I'm so, like I well, I have a room of curiosities that's um, I'm, I'm very quickly growing out of. <laughs> you have a basement of of curiosities that's scattered everywhere. You just haven't um, haven't done anything with it yet. I mean, I slowly do my projects. Is it's one of those things where just wish i had more free time like if we could live in the star trek utopia where like people don't have to work and i could just devote my time to my leisurely pleasures like i like to think that i would spend that time you know reading books learning stuff playing games uh painting miniatures and enriching my life instead of just banging historical figures on the holodeck but um you know it's it's a nice dream I, I too am in the same boat. I, well, hopefully things will begin to settle down here on my end of the deal. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I can I can relate one hundred and ten percent. The the reason I love lower decks so much in the pilot episode, uh, the the main character is 
tasked with the menial task of having to clean out the hollow deck, and she basically mentions that people just use it for fucking. And I love the fact that that was the first Star Trek show to reference the fact that, yeah, there's a good percentage of the population that is probably using the hollow deck for fucking. I still have yet to watch that show. It is surprisingly good and still surprisingly, surprisingly true to the Star Trek kind of feel, but it just shows you a little bit of an irreverent Star Trek universe that not everybody is the super intense utopian society. There are people who are just screwing around and having a good time. So it's the Orville. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. It, it, it's, uh, it's basically Star Trek's official answer to the Orville, which is the official best Star Trek show of the last 20 years. I just started watching the most current season. Um, the most recent one. Um, because it was like, well, because I was a big fan of the Orville. Oh yeah. Um, it was actually more Star Trek than Star Trek was up until strange new worlds came out. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when it got, when all the whole thing happened with Fox and it switched over, we were like, well, I guess we're not going to be able to watch it or what have you. And then it popped up on Hulu and now it's on the Disney network because of the whole Fox acquisition thing. And I'm fine with that. I was like, well, if it's here and we can watch it, you know, we're pretty much getting caught up on everything else. Yeah. So Paramount is the one network that I just refuse to pay for. Yeah. We don't either. Yeah. I'm not either. I think the only thing on there, and I'm going to catch probably hate for this, but to be honest with you, the only Star Trek on there that's any good is strange new worlds because it is the most of all of the new shows that, and fully embraces to the best of their ability what Star Trek is and was. Right. Um, this last season of Picard was terrible. Um, Discovery, I don't even know why that show is still on the air. I have no – that it's it's just a bad show. I don't I don't even think it, it knows what it wants to do. Well, um, well, we'll, we'll save this because uh, an acquaintance, somebody who I uh, lives in the same city, uh, his wife was good friends with my wife, and we occasionally, like, talk and everything, but – he reached out to me, actually, uh, if you remember, way back, probably a year ago in the podcast, I found out his son, Archer, was a fan of the podcast, and so we did a shout-out to him. Uh-huh. But uh, he reached out to me and was like, hey, are you still doing that podcast? And I said, yes, because, you know, I or I have... No I other know. life or hobbies. <laughs> no, I think it's because I want to feel slightly important. Like, the 15 people who download this podcast on the regular basis, and I can say comfortably, I know at least eight of them. But those other six people, like, God bless you other six people, because, you know, (laughs) you're giving me that slight ego boost that I need to make it through this dreary existence. (laughs) Um, So he reached out to me that he's, he's a huge Star Trek fan, and he wants to come on the show and talk about Star Trek. And I know you love talking about Star Trek. So I'm going to kind of mm. probably sit back on that one and let you two guys nerd about Star Trek. I was going to say, I might sit that one out. because No, 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 I, no. You're coming in on this one. I don't know if I would be a good choice for that. Because my opinions on Star Trek are just as animated. Like, see, okay. That makes I, you the best choice for this. Like, literally. I don't know. I don't know. Actually, since the whole Star Wars thing that has transpired on the show, I have made an active effort to really pull back my opinions on a lot of this stuff. And especially with the whole Star Wars thing, I've gotten to a point with that where I'm kind of become meh about the whole situation. Well, um, we... 
I don't, I don't know because I got a lot of love for Andor, and I want to wait till the show finishes so we can kind of do like a big talk about Andor because that is shaping up to be a that I well, I want to, but again, there there are rules between with me and Star Wars, um, and a lot of my views about Disney and Star Wars have changed um a, a lot at this point, but I. Andor, I will say this much though, and uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm caught up on Andor. Same. I should like the show more than I do. It's not bad. I'm not going to criticize the show, and I think my problem with it is it's a very different kind of Star Wars, which Star Wars needed. Um, it's it, it's something about the pacing of the show that I don't like. I have the same problem with it that a lot of the other people do, but I'm not as. Um, I'm not as hardcore emotional about it. Like I'm not going to jump and be like, this show sucks because it doesn't suck. Um, thus far, like this, this is something that star Wars very much needed. But then again, also I was a huge fan of rogue one. Rogue one is, Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we, we've gushed about rogue one on many yeah. occasions. And this, this is, it, it is along the lines of rogue one. It's just the pacing is very strange on it. I mean, when it when it finally fires, though, when those episodes where, the, where everything starts firing, it fires really well. And it's just, um, to me, because they're done in three episode segments. They have the four, first episode, and then they the, each, each they do these, they've, they've even, Disney has even said this, that these, these shows are to be watched in segments of three, mm-hmm. like the first three episodes and then the second three episodes. And they follow a basic pattern of something happening, it building up to that crucial moment, and boom, it happens. And then it starts over again with the next episode and the arc, the three arc. And thus far, what I feel about it, without going in depth, is both of the three episode arcs feel very much like there were movies that needed to be edited down to a movie length. And if they were movies, I would probably be good, but it, I don't think it would work other than if they were to release these as movies on Disney plus, does that make sense to you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of like, um, there were other times where, um, shows would come out and you could very tell, very much tell that like, these three episodes of this show were intended to be a movie, but because it was a TV show, they couldn't get it to jump to a movie. Yeah. Um, there was just a lot of stuff that they could have, they, they could have edited some of it out or they could have paced it a little bit better, but I am not saying that the show sucks. It's terrible. Um, they've ruined star Wars. I'm not going to go that route because there's some really good storytelling in these shows. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a different kind of show and I acknowledge that it's a different kind of show. And just because it is a different kind of show, I'm not going to hold it against it. It's kind of my same feelings of the way I feel about the whole she Hulk thing. So, but right. yeah, I, I want to wait till it's all done. Um, and they've already, they're already, they're, they're just getting started to filming on season two, I believe of Andor. Yeah. And I think there's only supposed to be two seasons of it because where it ends off is supposed to be leading up to rogue one. Right. So, you know, well, I it, do like the backstory stuff that we're seeing in it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll talk about it when the time comes. Right. Because uh, I wanted to give you some, I want to give you a chance to get animated about something. So we're going to talk about the other thing we need to pour one out for. And that is Warner Brothers killing the Cartoon Network. Oh, I will pour one out, but I will pour one out in anger. So. Well, yeah, that's, that's pretty much <laughs> I the mean, Yeah, this. I, I, 
I'm 50. My I watched my kids grow up with Cartoon Network, and there were shows on Cartoon Network that I really liked. And oh I, yeah, yeah, really cool. I mean, you know, but we literally experienced the birth of Cartoon Network, um, mm-hmm. and then saw it become a phenomenon. And I mean, there was some serious cultural touchstones that came from the Cartoon Network. So let's start with where it started. Cartoon Network was originally the Hanna Barbera Network. So it was mainly showing like just reruns of all the old Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Which was cool. Which was, was cool. cool. And then they re I think USA Network bought it and then they rebranded it as the Cartoon Network. They still had a lot of the Hanna-Barbera stuff, but they were starting to bridge into their own unique programming. Um if I'm not mistaken, Cartoon Network was Courage the Cowardly Dog. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, Johnny uh, Bravo, Dexter's Laboratory, Powerpuff Girls. Right. Um, those are the ones that I just remember off the top of my head. No. And then they had <laughs> Power- the Adult Swim stuff. Yeah, I was going to say. Also, what drew me in, or what I remember the most about the early days of Cartoon Network, was Space Goes Coast to Coast. Yes. Oh. I yes, that st- was funny. I, I still have the first season of Space Goes Coast to Coast on DVD, and I think that's one of the only places it exists because I don't know if it's on any of the streaming sites anywhere. I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, well, I think it was on the Cartoon Network site, but I, that that's probably going to disappear That's now. about to go the way of the dodo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and then, as you said, we get into Adult Swim. We get into, they realize that there is a demographic of adults that are still watching cartoons. So they came up with this idea of a just programming block for adults. And they're personally responsible for saving Family Guy and Futurama. They took these shows that Fox had passed on and had just left to languish and showed there was an audience for them. And I remember it was a huge deal because they were showing reruns of Futurama and Family Guy, shows that had been off the air for a bit, and they were getting higher network shares than Leno and like the, the old school kings of late night in the young demographic crowd. The older crowd were still all watching the like Tonight Show and everything with Jay Leno, but the younger 18 to 30 demographic, they were all watching Adult Swim. What else was on Adult Swim? I'm trying to remember. There was a whole bunch of stuff that was on there. They are responsible for reintroducing anime to a whole new generation. Like we had. Yes. That's where Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo came from. Cowboy Bebop, Samurai Chimpaloo. uh, They, I believe they were reshowing Dragon Ball and like some of the odder Dragon Balls. Uh, That's where a lot of people were first introduced to Gundam when they started reshowing Gundam Wing. Um, before I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. I never watched Gundam Wing, but I remembered it. Before that, I mean, I remember being in high school and you could kind of sometimes see, like, some of, I think it was like one of the channels showed Sailor Moon at like in like an afternoon cartoon block and like Dragon Ball reruns. Um, but yeah, then, um, and then you had the Sci Fi Channel would do Anime Saturday where they would reshow like the same six movies in re- repeating order. See, the thing is before it before that came along, the only way that adult geeks like us could really get anything. And this might be a little bit now. I don't think this is before your time. Now I think about it. Cause you're not that much younger than me was when you had 
um, the what MTV was doing. Um, oh oh my yeah, God. Um, what was it? Liquid uh, Television. Yeah, I just forgot. I, I had it on the tip of my tongue, and then it disappeared. Yeah, Liquid Television. Yeah, that but was. But up wh- until that point happened, that was the only place where you could watch stuff like that. And then when Adult Swim came along, when like you had you had like Aqua Teen Hunger Force, right? You know? <laughs> like stuff that was just really quirky and weird and, and kind of ahead of its time, you know, and you know, it was just, you, you didn't mind that like you could, you, when you like, I had kids, so they'd be while watching the Powerpuff girls and stuff. So you'd get drawn into some of those shows. I watched Dexter's lab too. Oh dude, you know? I, I love Dexter's lab. And, and my wife and I, when we were first married, I remember very distinctly us being in our first apartment, uh, and watching, Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's Laboratory on Cartoon Network. On a SpongeBob? S- no, SpongeBob's Nickelodeon. Okay, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was on, asking, like, I'm like, did SpongeBob come from that? <laughs> right. On like week, er, weekend days when we didn't have anything else to do, when we were too poor to go out and see movies. And that was just what we did on a Saturday. Um, and yeah, I, I have fond memories of like that was where i first saw cowboy bebop and it's it blew my mind and i'm still in love with cowboy bebop to this day oh oh side note another uh a story of john's poor impulse control uh thanks to a facebook ad uh coming to me in probably january they're doing a limited pressing of the live action cowboy bebop soundtrack on vinyl really oh yeah so, so I bought that. I mean, I already have the original Cowboy Bebop soundtrack on vinyl, so I might as well have the live action version too. Man, I was just talking to about a guy today um, at a warehouse club that I shop at. He had a Cowboy Bebop t-shirt on. It was kind of an obscure one. Mm-hmm. And he handed it to his vest, and I walked by, and I'm like, hey, man, nice t-shirt. Here's a guy that checks your receipt on your way out. I'm like, nice t-shirt. And that turned into a 10-minute diatribe of him going off about comparing the Cowboy Bebop live-action show to the television show. And I'm like, and I, I didn't mind talking to the guy, but I had to be somewhere. And I'm like, great, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I get it, you know, blah, blah. And then fortunately, a couple of customers came up and talked to him. And I'm like, well, got to go. Talk to you later. Bye. But this guy just went off. He was like, I mean, it was cool to see him so super passionate about Cowboy Bebop because he was like, he was like, I have met my people. I will right, not talk right. to you for the next 45 minutes about the characters and blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. I, I got to go. <laughs> you know? Right. And but, um, um, I was going to say, and this is just more par for the course from the WB uh, Discovery merger. This The announcement came last week. Um, it's basically they're gutting all the productions of cartoons uh, they're gutting the Cartoon Network management. They're rebranding the network as Warner Brothers Animation. Um, and at this time, they have no no like uh, plan for new programming. It's basically just going to exist to show reruns of everything that's already been out there. And I think like this is where a lot of the those really good uh, DC animated shows are just going to be shoved here. Um, but I don't think we're going to get new original programming like what has made the hallmark of Cartoon Network. The fallout from this WB Discovery merger, it's it's like getting chlamydia or herpes. It just doesn't end. Oh, like, no. It's, it's just you think you think it can't get worse, and then just you're hearing more shit. Um, it, like just what they did with the, the DC 
movies that in itself it's oh yeah yeah nobody wants to work for them anymore like nobody they're offering movie roles to people and people are like oh no i'm not touching that (laughs) but i did from what i understand henry cavill is coming back um as superman again um well it it's unfortunate but there is a new edition of the warhammer 40k rules coming out and he is going to have to continue financing his army so that means he's probably going to need to take this paycheck to continue paying for his Adeptus See, Custodes army. That's the thing, though, because apparently nobody's talking about what, but he apparently has a job in the Marvel Universe at, at this point. Oh, man, that's going to be... And nobody no, quite knows what it is. There's a lot of theory out there that he might be Captain Britain. Um, I would... Or... Dude, that would be so perfect. That would be the perfect casting for him to be Captain Britain. Exactly. Um there's there's a whole bunch of different places. No, he's actually or he's supposed to be. Was he supposed to be in the next season of Loki as a Centurion or something like that? I don't remember. But nobody is saying what he's playing in it. But they have that's it's very it's like one of those worst kept secrets in Hollywood. Right. And finally, Disney just kind of came out and said, "Yes, we we've got something in the works, but we're not saying what it is." It's, it's kind of like the same thing with the whole keanu reeves thing keanu like marvel wants keanu reeves they just don't know if they're going to put him in disney or if they're going to put him in star wars yeah well and 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 to be fair he wants to do both uh keanu reeves has been very passionate about wanting to be ghost rider for a while um and we're sad because nick cage was also passionate about being ghost rider however that turned into two just fucking awful Ghost Rider movies. The thing is, though, I don't necessarily hold that against Nicholas Cage. I don't. Yeah, I hold it's that like I, writing. I don't know who's responsible for those. I won't. I won't throw Nick Cage under the bus for it. But no. they were bad. They were awful. I and am I a lifetime Ghost Cage, Rider fan, a... and they were bad. He is a huge comic book fan. Like I think he has the Ghost Rider comics. He's actually bought them. He might have had to have sold them in his bankruptcy. Um, but he has he, he a Ghost a Rider tattoo. Fan. Yeah, he has a Ghost Rider tattoo that he literally had to have digitally covered up to film the Ghost Rider movie. Well, there's also because of the multiverse and everything's been happening the way that it is now. There's also been rumor of him coming back in some way, form or another, and popping up in one of the Marvel because Marvel has also stated for sure that they're doing something with Ghost Rider. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will not be the one that was on um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which kind of bums me out because I went into that <sighs> Ghost Rider, like, not wanting to like it. Because I'm like, Ghost Rider doesn't drive a car. He's ghost Rider ghost, rides a motorcycle. He is the Ghost Rider. Correct. Not the Ghost Driver. He rides a motorcycle. He doesn't drive it. a car. But he did that character very, very well. Um, and I was, by the end of it, I was sold. Like it was the first half of the season was the Ghost Rider storyline. I'm like, okay, this is cool. They implied that they were going to bring him back. I did, and that was it. I did appreciate that in the, um, in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. arc with him, they did do some deep cut references to the original Ghost Rider. Um, very specifically, um, when they dig up the Darkhold, uh, they're in this shack and on the shack or the wall in the shack, you see a uh, poster for the Cassidy carnival, which was the carnival that Johnny blaze was a stunt driver in. Well, Johnny blade is in the show. You never saw his face, but you saw the Harley pull up and you saw the legs walk up from the motorcycle as he was on the ground. Right. dying. Yeah. So they imply that this is the same spirit. It just moved from one body to the other mm-hmm. or something along those lines. Right. Um, 
and again, I went into it like there's there's so many shows. Th- th- I'll get to this in a second, but um, much like Andor, um, much like the Eternals, much like Mobius, there's all these movies that I go in fully expecting to not enjoy, and the ones that I've been told that you're going to hate this movie. You're not going to like it. You're not going to like it. You're not going to hate it. I walk away usually going, that wasn't that bad of a movie. It wasn't great, but it like, does it really deserve like the same thing with, with solo, you know, did that movie really deserve the hate that it got? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I finding myself doing that more and more and more with a lot of this stuff. Yeah. For, for the most part, that's, I took that stance a few years ago. Like I just decided that, you know what? I'm usually paying to see these movies. Why don't I just be entertained? Why don't I just let it entertain me? Mm-hmm. Now, now, granted, there are some things that are just so egregious I can't get over. Uh, hence the reoccurring argument from The Last Jedi of lasers arcing in space. And, uh, you know, ships stopping in space when they run out of fuel you know Um, or the fact in the eternals that this giant alien half body comes out of earth and just nobody ever fucking talks about that they have said that they're going to get back to that but right Mm -hmm. they they have marvel has specifically said that they are going to address that issue um but right now that there's so much going on within the marvel universe all over the place with this phase five stuff that they only have enough time to deal with it in a certain way. Did, did you finish off? Did you watch She-Hulk yet? Do you want to talk about that at I all? I did, but I don't want to talk about that this time. We we always tend to do the the last, like, eight episodes have all just been, let's talk about this this Marvel show that just ended. So on this, one, this issue, I kind of wanted to try and, like, you know, go back to the older shows where we're sometimes just talking about nerdy shit. But I will say, because uh, you referenced the uh, Marvel casting Henry Cavill, the big announcement that was another one of like the worst kept secrets in Hollywood for the last few months was they officially have announced that Harrison Ford is going to be the new Thunderbolt Ross in the MCU. And I think that is a really dumb move. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Harrison Ford, but we've established Harrison Ford kind of hates fandoms. Like, Harrison Ford really yeah. hates Star Wars fans. And now, after he's finally done with Star Wars, well, hey, let's just uh, shove you in our other entirely fandom-driven uh, franchise. And not to mention, he's getting up there. Like, we already lost one Thunderbolt Ross. Maybe we could have gone to somebody who might be around for another 10, 15 years to continue being General Thunderbolt I Ross. just don't see him in the role. But I will say this, though. He is the first person that I know of. I, I'm, I'm, I, 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 he's it. Uh, he is the first person to, to jump the Star Wars Marvel wall. Nope. Well, kind of. Um, Ming-Na Wei, she was the first. She is one of the first Disney hat tricks. She was in Star Wars, she was in Marvel, and she was in a Disney movie. Okay, I guess we'll count Agents of Shield. I can't, I can't, yeah. I can't say we can't claim that, but I guess we have to because we, we it do because it was st- it was still produced by Marvel. But yes, it she, was still produced by Marvel, correct? Even though that it was it was that the way that they did that was very shittily done. So yeah, you're correct. She would be the first person to do it. Mm-hmm. So. But she okay. So then I'll update it and say Harrison Ford will be the first person to make the cinematic jump. <laughs> uh, um, and you'd be I, and, I and you'd be wrong again. Who is okay? Then who did? 
Uh, fuck, what's his name? Um, the guy who played Poe Dameron. He was uh, Moon Knight. Oh, fuck, how could I forget that? Moon Knight was one of my absolute favorite shows and characters. Yeah. Oh, my God. You, I hate it when you fucking call me out and you're right. Like, so right. That's the problem. You are so incredibly right. And uh, uh, with my passion. Oscar Isaac. God damn, I'm hating myself right now for not catching that. Don't worry. It's not your fault. It's just there's so much going on. It's hard to keep it all straight. Yeah, but I should have known that. I am I am disgusted and angry with myself for yeah. not knowing that. Um, so. And then uh, in other casting news, the the big reveal of Deadpool 3 is coming, and it's going to be... And Hugh Jackman is in for one last ride as Wolverine. I'm really glad they're doing that. I really am. I think um, so. I think this is like the supposedly this is going to be the touchstone point that brings mutants into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, not true. We already saw that with Miss Marvel. At the very end of Miss Marvel, they reveal that she is actually a mutant. Is she a mutant or is she yes. an inhuman? She is a mutant because they make specific reference to say that your genetic code is different. It's not like a normal human. They, they, he, he, he specifically says something along the lines of like, it's like you're a mutant or something. Yeah, because in, in the Ms. Marvel comic book, she is an inhuman, technically. She was enhanced by the Terrigen Mists, which you, if you have a certain percent of inhuman blood in you gave you superpowers. Yeah, that was how Marvel was going to get around the whole X-Men thing because that was before the merger with the Fox hat. Well, mm. they they established that in in the Agents of Shield show. Right, but and the, then the comic they, book thing was it was one of those big meta arcs when they brought yeah. those back, which I fucking hate. Um I don't know if I can be sold on the Thunderbolt Ross being Harrison Ford. Um, I, like, well, I, there's nothing we can do about it. We'll have to accept it and just see how it goes. I was fully expecting them to just write the character off, like which they could have done real easily. They could have used that as the whole impetus to start the Thunderbolts. It was going to say, because it, it's hard to have a Thunderbolts movie without the guy the team is named after. Well, yeah, but they could have very easily have done that. Like, yeah, you're here. We're carrying on this person's dream. This person set this up and we're doing this. And, you know, in Val, the, you know, the, the, the Val character, she's very heavily involved with that. She could have just been the one that took up the mantle of it. They still could have had a Red Hulk because Marvel is very good at retconning their movies and storylines to do what they have to do to make them fit. Like Hank Pym and the Ultimate Adventures was a, was a, was a spouse. You know, he was um, an abusive husband. And well, he was, yeah, I was going to say, Hank Pym in every incarnation of the character was a scumbag. Or Henry Pym, yeah, yeah, Henry Pym, yeah, he was. So they had like so Marvel very easily could have gone in and fixed the whole Thunderbolt issue with him dying very well. And I think this is the well, no, I take that back because well, this is the first time I believe they've recast a character that has died in real life. Um, yeah, I think this is really the first time they've had to deal with this. Yeah, they had Don Cheadle with the whole um, War Machine thing. But the guy who played him before was being such an asshole. Marvel was like, "No, we don't need you. We'll take this character." Well, right here. it was, it and it was all, and it was also a fact of they wanted Don Cheadle to begin with, mm -hmm. um, and they couldn't get Don Cheadle for the first Iron Man, so they got Terrence Howard, and then that turned out to be not a good fit. And then for Iron Man two, they were able to get Don Cheadle. Well, Terrence Howard wanted a lot of fucking money. And Marvel was like, no, we don't need you that bad. And then pretty quickly, everybody kind of forgot about Terrence Howard. <laughs> oh, man. And like the uh, 
the Secret Wars show, uh, I know Don Cheadle's kind of going to be heavy into it, so I'm super excited for that. Yeah, that, Armor Wars, and I believe he's going to be involved with Ironheart as well. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of room for those characters in the background. Yeah, it, it's... So. <sighs> I take note, Warner Brothers. This is how you continue on without fucking up your con- like, company. And uh, like Marvel uh, does it so well. How can you not just copy it? It's not. That's one of the reasons. Hard. It's like, I don't get that pissed at Marvel anymore because it's like, well, it could be the WB. Like Marvel, I think and I've used the term a thousand times, and I will use it one more time. Marvel is good at course correcting. He said it. He said it. And saying, you know what? Maybe everybody, we fucked up on this. Everybody drink. Yep, everybody drink. It's been a long time since I've said it, but I, it fits here, so I have to say it. It's cool. It's just every, like this, okay, sidebar. Every single person has these weird phrases that they say a lot, and they don't realize that they say them, and we all know that we have these phrases, and we all know all of our friends' phrases. But I only say that phrase here, and I don't say it anymore. I don't even say it in real life anymore. But but, but it's okay that you do. I mean, you're right. I called you out and I kind of made fun of you a little bit for it, but I, I'm, I don't know mine, but I'm sure every one of my friends knows that phrase that I say for everything. And they're just so damn tired of hearing it. Um, but, my buddy, Brian is every single story is couldn't be any worse than couldn't be any worse than. And like, we used to always joke around about it. We, every single person has their own, like, I don't want to say catchphrase, but their own idiom that they overuse. And that was yours, and it was charming. <laughs> well, it's, it is it is what Marvel does, though. It is. It, it is. Because Marvel is driven by, like, Marvel, I'll say another thing about them, Marvel, Disney in general, they really only pay, they pay attention to downloads and what it affects their bottom dollar and subscriptions. Like Marvel doesn't go out there and go, oh, look at all of the fanboy hatred we're getting. It's like, yes, these people are hitting on the show, but what are the people, how are they reacting to it? How are they really reacting to it? Are people going and seeing this? Are we making money on it? Are people buying the toys? Um, except, you know, except when it comes to Star Wars and canceling the goddamn Rogue Squadron movie. I don't know what's well. I'm still I bitter. Think Marvel, I think what Disney's trying to do there, this is opinion, but I think what they're trying to do there is they're like, you know what, if we're going to do this again and go back into the cinema, you know, we need to make sure that we've got this formula down. And when we do it, we do it right. And plus, the other thing is, is Kevin Feige wants to make a Star Wars movie. And let him. Kevin, yeah, what Kevin Feige says go. So I think. There's a He's lot made you on. so much money. Let him play with Star Wars. Um, sure, I trust Feige. I yeah. you know he's he's done by and large. Even though that Marvel has had a few, you know, a few shitty stinkers. Like you've had Iron Man three. You had yeah, the Iron Eternals. Man 3 was, um, Iron Man three was hideous. The last Thor, Thor movie I didn't think was great. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. It's it's it wasn't a memorable movie. It was it was okay. It was entertaining. You know, it was, it was entertaining, and and I enjoyed it. Um, there were there. I agree. There were. It was disjointed because Christian Bale was so good as that like creepy evil villain, yeah. and it just it didn't jive with the comical feel of the rest of the movie. That and bringing the little kids in it. It was just a weird movie. But, but. 
again, I'm not going to be like, well, Marvel sucks now, you know, or, which yeah, is what I, you see I've given, Star I've Wars given, fans do. I've given them way too much of my money to be able to say with a unbiased face that Marvel sucks. Uh, no, I'm going to continue to give them my money. Yeah, I will too. Um, and, and well, I, I have problems with the casting of Harrison Ford. Um, every other instance where Marvel did something like this, this to bring in someone you never thought you would expect to see in a superhero movie, it turned out amazing. I mean, I predict like, he dies when Robert Redford <laughs> showed up in the winter soldier. Like it was just perfect. It was the perfect casting. It was, you never expected him to be the bad guy until he turns out to be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, with Michael Douglas being in, uh, the, the Ant-Man movies, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer being in the Ant-Man movies, like seeing these monster talents. Uh, we, uh, we were talking about in the last episode, uh, the, Wakanda Forever, Angela Bassett, like just watching her chew the scenery um, in these comic book movies has been amazing. And I love that's because they take those actors and they know how to use them correctly. Mm -hmm. Like when you had Thor Ragnarok, um, what's her name playing? um, Oh, God, what the hell is her name? I'm having I'm having a stroke again. I can't remember. Natalie Portman. What's that? Natalie Portman. No, not Natalie Portman. The one who played the evil chick in uh, Ragnarok. Oh, Ragnarok. Um, Hell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Galadriel. Fuck, what was it? You know who I'm talking about, though. I know who you're talking about. Uh, like, she is an actor of stature and presence, and they did, they portrayed her very well in that. She was the person for that role. You know, um, Ego, I don't quite know, but yeah, I mean, it was it was okay. It was good enough. Um, but when they get these high-end actors, they don't, they don't overuse them. They put them in the place that they should be, and that's it. You know, they do what they they do what they should do with them. Kate Blanchett. Kate that Blanchett. That is the correct. person we were looking at. Now, now, as soon as you say it, all, everything goes. Oh yeah, there it is. Now the puzzle fits. It yeah, all, uh, the pieces um, fit. Oh yeah, she was amazing in Thor Ragnarok. Um, well, folks, this turned out to be another double length episode, so I am going to cut it here, and this will be part one. Join us again in two weeks when I'll edit down the rest of it and we will have part two. But for now... End of line. Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is! Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! German? Forget it, he's rolling. It ain't over now! So, what's the plan? Take car, go to Mum's, kill Phil, sorry, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. Might as well write them off. Let's close up the bridge. Let's get out of here. Close it up, lights out. Where are you headed, cowboy? Nowhere special. Nowhere special. I always wanted to go there. We're going streaky! Yeah! All right, come on. Nothing to see here. Please disperse. Nothing to see here. Please.